Jesus said that God the Father makes his reign, he, he, he reigns, and when it rains, it rains on the just and the unjust just alike. And Joel prophesied this, and then Peter, and we're going to go to Peter, 1 Peter in a minute. And then Peter repeated that on the, on the day of Pentecost. And, and this is what it says. In the last days, God says he was going to pour out of his spirit. Now listen very carefully. Listen to this very carefully. Remember Jesus said, it rains on the just and the unjust just alike. How many of you know lately here in South Texas, for those that uh, are living in other parts of the world or the country, uh, we've had a lot of rainy. This is unusual to have the kind of rain that we're having in the month of July and, and not being 110. Okay. Thank God we got green grass in July. I'm excited about that. You don't know how much I'm excited about that. But... He causes it to rain on the just and the unjust just alike. How many of you have noticed that the rain, that the rain does not discriminate? The same rain that falls on your grass makes it look good or to fall upon your plants and makes them grow that you planted and is the same rain that falls on the weeds. Are y'all here? And God promised in the last days he was going to pour out of his spirit upon all flesh. Okay. Now he goes on to say, and your sons and your daughters are prophesied. Your sons, your daughters. Now, what's going to happen to those that are heathen sons and daughters? Are you following me? The point is... The rain falls on a just seed and an unjust seed. Makes them both grow. And he tells us, and we've been studying this, and I'm not going to go into a long detail about it, but in Matthew chapter 13, he says that in the last days, there were going to be these, both seeds are going to grow up together. Both, both kinds. Because he's going to make it happen. Did you get that? God's going to make it happen. And what we're seeing in society today is God is making it happen. Have you noticed that, there, that what has been hidden and obscure is being made manifest? On the political scene, the financial scene, any other scene you want to look at. even Listen, even in the medical realm, there is so much deception in the medical realm. Follow the science as long as the science gives you what I dictate. You follow? So I'm moving along, moving along, Ronnie. Pastor Ronnie, get out of there and move on. Okay. So I, I want you to see that we're in a period of time where the day is declaring the seeds at what they really are. The day is declaring. The Bible tells us that he's going to make the day declare what man's work has been doing. What each individual has been doing. God's going to make it manifest. We live in that period of time. That's all, not only in the world versus the church, but it's also in the church. I'm going to make a couple of statements here. I'm going to encourage you. This, today is going to be, I want you to take some courage today. Everybody say, take courage. take courage. You know, courage can be offered to you, but you got to take it. Okay? So I want to encourage you to take courage today. This is not to do anything to, to take away from you. It's to impart something to you. Okay? So what I want you to do before I get into this, I'm going to give you the title right now, and then I want you to pray with me, all right? The title today is The Measure of Success. The Measure of Success. 
After you write that down, if you're writing it down or you're putting it into your electronic device, I want you to extend your hands this way. You that are viewing by live stream, do the same thing because you want to hear from God. I need to hear from God. And I don't, I, 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 we're going to clear out the atmosphere so I can speak accurately and I can have the thoughts of God. I am just the vessel. I am not the substance. Father, we thank you right now. We thank you that you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Say this with me out loud. Father, give Pastor Ronnie clear thought and accurate words to convey understanding so that I can receive it and apply it to my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want us to go to 1 Peter. And while you're turning to 1 Peter, I want to make a couple of statements. 1 Peter chapter, 13, uh, chapter 1 is where we're going to go. And I will, when I do read, will read out of the message. I mean the modern English version. Success is defined as doing well. Now notice what I said. Doing well. Or we'll say it another way. Doing good. Success is not how much money a person has in the bank. A person can have a lot of money in the bank and they can be a rich fool. The Bible tells us that in the book of Proverbs and other places. So there is such thing as a rich fool. Listen, listen carefully. Let me give you an example. The Bible says, the fool says, the fool says this, there is no God. How many multi-billionaires have disregarded and says there is no God? So they're just rich fools. Are you following me? And their money does not mean they're successful. That's the standard or the measurement of a world system because Paul said to Timothy that the love of money is the root of all evil. And if you do not think that what has happened in the last two years to the world and, and this nation, if you do not think that money is at the root of it, you're blind. Money is at the root of it. Power. And I'm talking about corrupted power. Okay? Success is not how much money you have in the bank or how famous you might be. Now, in our generation, we think if a person is famous, they must be important. Famous doesn't mean you're important. It could mean you're just stupidly famous. If you study the Bible and you have any, any studying of the Bible over a long period, a long period of time, I'm talking about studying it more than five minutes, you're going to find out that God used people and he used people that were not famous. The move of the church has gotten caught up in this. And God is cleaning this crud out. Okay? Here's what I mean by that. The church used to focus on God, I ain't, I don't care whether I get any fame out of this or not. I want to do your will. I'm seeking you. And what God's going to do in these last days is he's looking for people that are not famous focused. This, listen, the battle that's going to be won in these last days by the church, true church of the Lord Jesus, is not whether you're a famous book writer. It's, a fa it's, only, it's going to be dependent strictly upon whether or not you and I as individuals are going to seek the will of God. And the church has gotten caught up, and you can start looking back, listen carefully, 
back to the late 70s through the 80s, the 90s, even up to the present time, that when we look, and, and, and because the whole culture at that time has been focused upon fame and fortune. It's a trick of the devil. Okay? It's a trick of the devil. We think the power is in somebody that's famous that may have wrote, and cr- wrote Christian books. Christian book doesn't mean doodly squat to you. Or, uh, and we get all, ah, we just drool. Oh, my God, I just got to touch so-and-so. I know if I touch so-and-so, I'm going to be healed. And Jesus not even be there. Are you Are you listening? God's going to use people that are not famous. I'll never forget my dad making this statement. Every leader goes through this. And God's looking for godly leaders that are not focused on fame. But he is having a discouraging day as a pastor. And a good friend of his, Brother W.W. Altry, would come by to see him. And dad was kind of discouraged. And by the way. All the famous book writers go to the bathroom just like you do. Are y'all following me? In fact, some of those bathrooms don't smell as good as when they got, first got there. You need to understand that. All flesh is flesh. Where we get in trouble is we think that some flesh is superior to us. You see, we're in a visual culture, and we can edit stuff. Many social media photographs are edited, and when I see that person and meet them, I say, are you the person that I saw on social media? You don't look like the same person. Why? Because it's been edited. I can make myself tall, dark, and handsome. And then I introduce myself, I'm Ronnie Allen. You say, you ain't the guy that I saw. How do you think deception happens to our teenage people? We live in that kind of culture, and because we don't think. We think if it's visually that there's nothing changed. And visual is a sense, but it is not the only sense that God gave you. Okay, you follow that? Now we're, I got sidetracked for somebody. I don't know who it was. But my dad was very discouraged. And Brother Altry came by and was seeing his dad. And, and dad was kind of moaning just like all of us do. How many of you ever been discouraged and kind of moaned a little bit? Any true believer? We had honesty when Pastor Zona was up here. And he was just kind of complaining to Brother Altry, and he said, I don't know. He had, Brother Altry said, how's it going, Brother Allen? He says, I don't know. He says, I just don't know why God called me to preach. Brother Altry looked at him and laughed. Kind of slapped him on the shoulder and said, Brother Allen, I know exactly, exactly why God called you to preach. Dad looked at him, he said, because God is looking for near nothing as he could find. <laughs> now here's the point. God's not looking for somebodies. He's looking for nobodies. To make them somebody. We are only, listen carefully. Our life is hid with Christ in God. And, and, and the more we pump up. Our, the frailty of our human flesh, no wonder we're defeated. Our victory is in the Lord Jesus. So understand that your success, our success, true success, has nothing to do with fame, has nothing to do with money in the bank. Although, when you trust God, He'll put money in your bank. You follow me? When you trust him. 
And I'm going I'm to tell you right now from a, a financial success, your job, your job, listen very carefully. This is not being taught. If you're going to succeed financially, you've got to understand you've got to solve a problem. If you're not a problem solver, you will never succeed financially. Are you understanding that? And there's where we've missed it. We think that because someone else has it, we deserve it. And that's the culture out here. And it's totally oblivious to biblical principles. In fact, it's anti-God. If, listen, let me give you an example. You, listen, man, Jesus, help me. Work is not a curse word. Okay? If, if <laughs> work were a cuss word, then God was cussing for six days. Okay? So don't underestimate the value of work. Work, it means you're solving a problem for somebody. As you solve that problem, they're going to invest in your ability. That's why skill is so important. And it's impossible, impossible to develop skill without discipline. You cannot develop skill by theory. Okay? Everybody with that? You have to have discipline. Your body is meant to be trained. You can train it to eat donuts every day. Or you can train it to eat squash and like it. I don't like it. What's that got to do with it? If you're going to be successful in your body, you got to train it. You only got one body, my friend. And the world wants to throw all of that away and just feast upon what is convenient. Convenience, most of the time, has regret at the dead-end road. Y'all prayed for me, remember? Okay. Listen to this. We're going to read 1 Peter. True success, true success is doing what God has told us to do. There were people in the Bible that their names are not mentioned, and God says they are successful. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done. So our names doesn't have to be in limelights. Okay? The will of God being performed through us in this life is what heaven will flash when you get there. Are you with, are you with that? Now, I want you to remember this before I read. The highest form of worship is not singing a song. It's not even a prayer. It's not a shout. I didn't say none of those were not forms of worship. Do you realize that the highest form of worship is not reading your Bible? Yet reading your Bible is a form of worship. Are y'all following this? The highest form of worship is obedience to God. You can sing a song. You can shout. You can read your Bible. You can pray a prayer. But if you go right out these doors and you don't obey God, all of those other forms are void. 
Are you, are you listening to that? And what is necessary in this generation is that we get a sense of obedience to God is priority one. Priority one. Not coming to church any longer to find out how, God, you can make me success in the eyes of the world. No, I'm coming to find out what your will is and then learning how to obey it. Well, that went really good. Go with me to 1 Peter. Chapter number 1. We'll start with verse 13. I'll read out of the modern English version. Listen to this. And, and the previous verse tells us that people of old, prophets of old, looked down at this time and they, they, they looked down here and they wished that they could live in our time. And we're looking at, oh dear God, I wish I didn't live in this time. And he, he goes on, therefore guard your minds, be sober, hope to the end. That word hope, please do not put it in the category of wish. It means to expect to the end for the grace, that means God's influence, that it is, it, that is uh, to be brought to you at the re revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, get that, get that, as obedient children, not as children, but as obedient children. Okay? You can be a child but not be obedient. As obedient children... Do not conduct yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. But as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all your conduct. Because as it is written, be holy for I am holy. Did you know that God made a big bold statement there? He said, for us to be holy like God is holy. Now, I didn't say that meant us to be religious. It meant to be true and sincere to the word of God through our obedience. None of us have arrived at this point yet, but we're going through the process. And if you address as father the one who impartially Judges according to each one's work. Conduct yourselves in fear de during the time of your sojourning. Now, that word fear doesn't mean be afraid of God, but understand that there is a consequence to follow up a decision. Okay? There is a consequence. You know, I, I, many of you have never met my, my, my dad, but my dad in my lifetime, I'll put it that way, some of my siblings think dad was real strict in his younger years. I don't know. And, and some of them look like, you know, I, I was treated more like the grandchild of eight siblings because they were much older than me. And what I keep telling them is I've learned from seven mistakes. Not that they were a mistake, but I learned from their mistakes. You follow me? Okay. But my dad was a very loving individual. But I want to tell you something. I didn't do certain things because of the fear of my dad. I wasn't afraid of him. He loved me. But I knew the consequences... And that he had the fortitude to follow through with the consequence of my disobedience. That's what I learned. And many of God's people have not got that concept. The fear of God, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 16, 6, and pastors only use it, I think, Thursday morning again, but... Proverbs 16, 6 says, by mercy and truth, 
By, how did this go, Mercy? Do what? Speak up, woman. <laughs> Act like we're at home. Okay, read it to me. All right, did you get that? By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Okay? Iniquity is purged by mercy and truth. Okay? And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Men do not depart from evil where there is no fear of God. Many things in my life, the fear of E.O. Allen Sr. made me depart from the evil temptation that was before me. Are you all following that? Okay. So understand when God says the fear of the Lord here, he's not talking about being afraid of him. He's talking about understand that God will follow through with the consequence of a choice, good or bad, reward or, or, or not, okay? Well, verse 18, for you know that you were not redeemed from your vain way of life inherited from your forefathers with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He was foreordained before the creation of the world, but was revealed in the last times for you. Now, if it was the last times 2,000 years ago, it must be in the last moments of the last times now. Okay? Through him you believe in God, who raised up, who raised him up from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and that your expectation or hope might be in God. Since your souls have been purified. Now, how is it purified? Watch this. By obedience. By obedience. Obedience to what? The truth through the Spirit unto a genuine brotherly love Love one another deeply with a pure heart. For you have been born again, not from per perishable seed, but imperishable, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now watch these phrases now. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers. And it, its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This is the word which was preached to you. Now going to chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, why the word therefore is there? Because of what was previously said. Therefore put away all wickedness, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking, as newborn babes, Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. For if it is true that you have experienced that the Lord is gracious. For if you believe that it is true that the Lord is gracious, you've tasted of that. You should desire the word of God. And in desiring the word of God, listen carefully, you discover the will of God. And in discovering the will of God, it's not something that you leave in a building on Sunday morning. It is something that you apply in your everyday life. For in obedience to that word which you discovered the will of God on, now you are growing and overcoming and bringing discipline to your flesh. Are you following that? We're going to personalize this today. Because this is the number one thing that's wrong with the church. And as the church gets this right, it's going to affect our society. And our society is in deep, deep need and desperation at this moment. Okay? The church is to lead the way, not to take a... We're not here to take a back seat. Okay? 
In order to succeed in any endeavor in our lives, we will have to deal with our own self. You know, I heard this phrase a number of years ago, and I want to say it here. When I was younger, graduated from high school, and, and I found that this, this saying was true. As I look back, not at, that, not at the time, but now. And when I was younger and I graduated from high school, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to conquer the whole world. But the older I got, the more I realized it's not the whole world I need to conquer. What needs conquering in my life is me. So now I'm invested my life in conquering me, Ronnie Allen. Woo, man, hallelujah, glory to God. That ought to mean making you dance on the back of your chair. If I'm going to succeed, do well in any endeavor. If I'm going to do well in my marriage, I can't put it all off on Zona. I have to conquer me. Are you, are you following that? If I'm going to do, be successful as a single individual, you know what I'm going to have to conquer? Me. I'm going to have to conquer those burning passions that would lead me to sin. And don't act like they're not there. Okay? If I'm going to conquer uh, and, and I'm going to succeed financially, I am going to... My financial condition is not... To be blamed on anybody else. You see, this is an irresponsible culture we live in. Where we think it's everybody else's fault. Have you taken a measurement on your finances and see where you have spent the money? No, we don't want to. You know why? Because then we can't blame everybody else. Well, now, Brother Ronnie, you're white. That means I get a red neck. Do you know what that red neck is? Most people don't even know what that is. A red neck is somebody who's got a neck that's red because it's bent down in the hot sun doing the work. Quit letting the world put it on the external look of someone. If you keep doing that, you're making excuses for your own personal failure and lack of success. God says every man's own work, we just read it, will be judged by God. Every seed bears fruit of itself. And we live in a time period where God has accelerated and the rain has come on the just and the unjust just alike. And the lies of the devil is to get you to believe the erroneous, erroneous uh, 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 culture we live in. Y'all do understand I live in San Antonio. I am the minority. You Hispanics ain't got that yet? You follow me? It's not the external appearance that Paul said in 1 Corinthians you're not to look at. You're to look at the spirit of a man. The heart of a man. And yet the political system is to do this to get you off of being responsible. The word of God frees you to be responsible. Our flesh or our body, we could say, is necessary to live on earth. God created man, and I'm running through this real quickly. God created man in his image. God is three-dimensional. 
you're three-dimensional. You're a spirit man. You have a soul that came alive when God breathed his breath into your physical body. You are not your physical body. Your physical body, my friend, is your earth suit. It's what you live in while you're here on earth. And that gives you the right to choose. Are you following me? It gives you the right to choose. When Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, what God designed man is to live by his spirit under the inspiration or the fellowship of God, who is his spirit. And when man disobeyed God, man's spirit died. Okay? In fact, God told us to say, the day you eat of that tree, you're going to surely die. Well, Adam didn't die until 900 and some odd years later. Physically. But his spirit died. That means it was separated from God, his creator. Now, why is that important to understand that? It's important to understand that because if the spirit of man had died, then who's in charge? Who's going to lead man now? Because God created him to be led by his spirit. What took charge was the bodily appetites of human flesh. Your, your body is not necessarily evil. It's just not priority one. Jesus came so that he could cause your spirit to be reborn. And now that it's reborn, you're alive to God. And he can fellowship with you spirit to spirit and now bring discipline to your fallen nature, which works in the soul area, and to bring discipline. How many of you know that your flesh, I don't know what your favorite dessert is, but I don't know about you, but I, can, I could eat a whole pie at one time if it's the right kind of pie. And then go away and say, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Well, we believe it. We saw you eat it. And be miserable. That thing right there, that appetite, that appetite, undisciplined, will kill you. Now, I know I'm dealing with some stuff here, but just stay with me a couple of minutes. It'll kill you. Okay? It'll not only kill you, and a lot of Christians, are, 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 their, their life has been cut short because they have an undisciplined life. Woo, hallelujah. Kalalabasaya. The Holy Spirit's moving in this place. Same thing is true with our finances. We get a little cha-ching in our pocket. And we, we got to spend it before it goes through the hole. And there's nothing wrong with spending money. But most people have no financial discipline. Now, don't, don't look for the politicians to make it easier. Because they're making it harder. They're doing it on purpose. Okay? And, and, and they're not going to get right until we learn, learn what I'm talking about. Politics in this nation is undisciplined. I'll move on. You see, we got to deal with ourselves. If we don't deal with ourselves, who's going to deal with you? It can't be your husband or wife because every time they try to help you, to you, you don't take it as help, you take it as criticism. Hallelujah. I must be at your house this week. Okay. And you get all defensive. Carry that chip on your shoulder. I love you, honey. I love you, honey, until she knocks that chip off. 
God, you know the wife you gave me? (laughs) Yeah, I designed her especially for you. Are you following what I'm saying? You follow what I'm saying? If you don't deal with yourself, nobody else can deal with you. Now listen carefully. We live in a generation where the excuse is attention deficit disorder. You have to discipline yourself to be quiet and listen. And focus your attention. Nobody, listen carefully, when I was a baby, I guarantee you, I did not have a very long attention span. You know what that tells us? That tells us we got a lot of grown-ups that are still babies. Jesus. Pastor Ronnie, I told you I'm here to encourage you, not to discourage you. Listen carefully. Your body is necessary to live on earth, but it must be trained or disciplined. You can make yourself like squash. But it'll take some discipline. may take a lot of gagging at first. But let me ask you, is squash better for you than a daily donut? See, we, we think that medical science is going to make you healthy, and it's not. With, with God helping you to discipline yourself, that's how you become healthy. Woo, man. Many Christians have not fulfilled their mandate because they're not deal- willing to deal with their self. You can have a call of God on your life. There's been many, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And there's been many Christians that had a gift and a calling of God, but they never fulfilled it. And the reason why they didn't is they were not willing to deal with their self. In this move of God's spirit that we're living in, he's not going to do it with famous people because we define their success by fame. It is going to be done with those focused on doing the will of God. And that's going to take a focus, a discipline. Now, Ricky, could you pull that up for me, please? How many of you know what this is? It's a lawnmower. I mean, you should know what it is recently. The other day, the other day, I was, you know, our, our yard was out of control because the rain and it was so soggy, I couldn't get to it. I hardly ever leave it undisciplined. Y'all missed that. And so uh, the rain had caused the grass to grow thick and tall. And, and so uh, I, I'm mowing it. Zona's helping me. She's helping me mow. She likes to push more the best because she gets a little exercise. And, and so we're, we're mowing it. And after we get through mowing it, a lot of people want to stop there because most, most people hate mowing grass. I like mowing grass because it can't talk back to me. You talk back to me, I just mow over you and chop you down. <laughs> Well, you know our flesh is like that? We just referenced it here in 1 Peter. All flesh, your flesh, my flesh, brown, yellow, pink, green, doesn't matter. It's all like grass. Grass is not bad. In fact, there's nothing to me that looks more prettier than to go by a yard that's freshly mowed and trimmed and kept in line. I mean, it makes even the property value go up. That's a hint to some of you. You want your life value to go up? Deal with your flesh. So I'm weed-eating and... And some of the stuff that I'm weed-eating along the fence and stuff is nearly knee-high. And God says, this is what he says. He's talking to me. You 
know God can talk to you while you're out there doing your daily chores? So he's talking to me. He says, Ronnie, you see where you're, where you're fixing to weed eat? That's where the snakes dwell. That's where the rodents are at. There's all kinds of harm in there. Don't you cut me off through live stream right now. You know what a snake does? It slivers and it gets into it. It's not going to show up where the grass is freshly cut and down where it's supposed to be where you can see everything. No, it's going over there to the undisciplined grass where it's high and it's weedy and there may be a couple of boards in there and some wire and all that kind of stuff, the junk pile. Y'all don't have none. That's where the snakes are at. That snake is in there because it obscurity. Now listen carefully. Many people get in trouble because they have undisciplined flesh that has never been mowed and it just grows wild. And we, you know, after all, we just got us, everybody's got their wild oats, Pastor Ronnie. And that's what's got us in trouble. Because it rains on the just and the unjust as alike. So guess what? We wind up, because of undisciplined flesh, this snake slithers in it and gets control, and there's where we get in trouble. If you'd cut the grass, get rid of the junk pile, then guess what? You eliminate the sleazy deception of the snake. Anybody here? I'll never forget when, when uh, probably, I don't know if me and Zona were even married one uh, at this time. That's how far back it's been. I know it, it's impossible to look at her or look at me and think that's been a long time ago, but it has. And I was mowing, in fact, I was mowing some grass up here at the church. And, you know, people, when, when people just throw their trash out everywhere, but because the front church yard, we, don't have, we didn't have it like we do now where it's really nice and we have curbs and we have sidewalks. We didn't have that. I mean, it was, it was a jungle most of the time. And you had everybody driving up and down the road throwing their junk in there. And I was mowing with the push mower because it hadn't been mowed in a little while. And I didn't see the stuff that was in there. And I ran over it with a lawnmower. And some idiot, some idiot, some idiot. Threw an old gas cap in there off their car. I hit that gas cap and it shot out from underneath that, that mower and hit me right in the groin. I thought I was going to die. Okay? Now listen very carefully. He said, Brother Ronnie, you don't need to be that specific. Yes, I do. Because some of you have been hit in the gut by the devil. And the reason why he even got to you is because you refuse to deal with yourself. You listen to the view, you viewing? Still viewing? Live stream? You cannot neglect dealing with yourself. Everybody's got to do it. It's a dirty job. God's calling for the church in these last days to plow hard ground that we have neglected. In some cases, for decades. And when, if you've ever had to plow ground that is hard, I'm going to tell you right now, it is a dirty, slow, ugly job. It's dusty a lot of times, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in the long run. When you break up that fallow ground, when you begin to break it up, as you begin to do it, it seems tough at first. But as you begin to do it and you look back, 
And later on, once you've disked it and you've planted it and it's been watered, you're going to look back on it and say, man, look what the Lord has done. But you know he didn't do it by himself. It took your cooperation. And God is talking to us. And he's telling us, the body of Christ, that he wants us to live long, strong, successful lives. And success is based upon doing his will. You know the word of God is sharp. It's sharp. Why? Because he's going to do some cutting. Woo, man, I hear the lawnmower starting now. It's going, to do some, it's going to do some cutting. The reason why it's going to do some cutting is because our flesh has to be dealt with. It's to be brought under the subjection of the Holy Spirit. Your body is what gives you the authority to do the will of God on earth. But if you don't train it to do that, it won't do it. Now, don't act like you can't be trained because tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock, when the alarm goes off and you only got a few hours worth of sleep, you're going to drag yourself out of bed. Sleepy in your eyes, try to guzzle down a, a pot of coffee to wake your body up so it can go be productive because you know that if you don't go be productive at work, you ain't going to get a paycheck. And if you don't get a paycheck, you ain't going to eat. Or that's the way it should be Bible-wise. Okay? You see, I know that this sounds difficult. But it's it's the measure of success. And you need to be told the truth. The world ain't going to tell you that. Our government's not going to tell you that. You need to hear what God has to say about it. That's why we tell you to get in the Bible and read it on a daily basis. My mom used to say it like this. Every time I read the Bible, Ronnie, God deals with me. Okay? If you're looking up scriptures so you can deal with somebody else, you miss the point of looking in the Bible. Are y'all following me? And, and, and get it out of, get it, listen. God is the great equalizer. He gives everybody an equal opportunity. But not everybody will take the opportunity. Get your eyes off the external exp- uh, appearance of somebody and get your eyes on dealing with you first. And listen very carefully. If you do not take authority over yourself, then you cannot and will not be able to exercise authority over the devil. God's called his people to cast out the devil. Learn to cast it out of your own self. If you'll cast the devil out of yourself, then you can cast it out of your country. But if, you can't, if you're not willing to learn to start practicing on you, then you can't drive it out of society. You have to start with you. Stand up with me because my time is out, please. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I know that the conviction of the Lord is here. Everybody say conviction. Not condemnation. Now, God's not condemning any of us. He's just telling us. God knows how to deal with you. Let him help you deal with yourself. I said this a number of times in the last few years. I'm going to say it again. God convicted me throughout my lifetime. I never made my bed at home when I was at home. My mom always made it. And I made sure that she had to work to do it. In other words, I had the sheets and covers and everything all over the place. 
And, and it wasn't until I, I had a physical ailment that I was believing God to heal me from. And God told me, he said, I told you in my word I would cause the sick to make their bed. And I said, Lord, well, what I've gone through physically, if that's all i got to do, I'm willing. Zona, most of our married life made the bed. Just like my mom. I'm, living, I'm willing to leave my responsibilities to somebody else. God said, if you want to be healed, start learning to make your bed. So I started learning how to make the bed first thing in the morning. You know, it only takes less than five minutes, less. But I, I'm not going to take a measurement right here. But how many of you left today with your bed unmade? That's a discipline. You have to train yourself to do it. I tell young people all the time, if you really want to be successful, start making your bed every day. And what has that got to do with it? It has to do, do with dealing with yourself. Are you following what I'm saying? Y'all still love Jesus? Woo, I feel encouraged. Do you? Glory to God. Father, we thank you. Lord, you're dealing with all of us. I, I could have an altar call. And every single one of us would have to come to the altar. There's not a person who escapes this. So, Father, we thank you right now. We're coming before your heavenly altar. We're saying, Lord, help us to deal with ourselves. Help us to bring discipline to ourselves and to hear your voice and our spirit. Follow through with obedience. For us singing a song doesn't matter if we're going to disobey you. But if we sing a song and obey you, our obedience makes the song rich in heaven. Father, I thank you right now by the moving of your spirit. You're dealing with each and every one of us about certain areas of our life that has been neglected. And Lord, you want, you're working on doing something big in our generation. And you're talking to us as part of the body of Christ. And you're telling us, get prepared, get ready. You're going to go to battle. And you're going to win the victory if you'll submit to my discipline. I don't, yes, God is saying, I don't discipline according to the flesh. I discipline according to my goodness towards you. I got something in mind that's bigger than you ever dreamed. Father, help us to learn that the measure of success is doing what you told us to do. If we don't obey you, then the measure of the world's success doesn't matter. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to receive your priorities. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord, for our healing. Thank you for our health. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. We give you the praise and thanksgiving. Now, Father, as we leave this place today, we thank you that your grace... Your grace surrounds us like a shield and follows us wherever we go. We hear your voice and the voice of another we will not follow. We thank you, Father God, right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Say that with me out loud. I hear his voice and the voice of another I will not follow. Now, Lord, you have given your angels charge over us, our families, our properties, and our goods. 
You've given us the wonderful name of Jesus to use. And right now we invoke the name of Jesus. And we declare, say this with me, in the name of Jesus, we declare there'll be no tragedy named among any of us. Father, I thank you right now that you feel us so full of your love. That as we go into our everyday lives, every person we come in contact with, your love just oozes out from us and touches them. We give you the praise and the thanksgiving in the name of Jesus. Amen.